This program brought to you by PersonalLifeMedia.com is suitable for mature audiences only and may contain explicit sexual information. This interview was recorded on April 29, 2008 at the San Francisco One Taste Center. speaker interviews. This is your host, Harmony Niles. It's Tuesday night here at One Taste Urban Retreat Center, and we are about to go into our weekly Tuesday night forum, where we invite teachers to share their wisdom in an informal and interactive environment. Tonight, we're here with Marlise Cocheret de la Moriniere. Marlise is a spiritual teacher, counselor, and certified Hokomi therapist, a student and teacher of Zen Buddhism, and a certified tantric educator. She has studied with Osho and Adyashanti, Barry Long, and Danielle Oje. She has a private counseling practice in Santa Cruz and holds bi-monthly satsangs for women and for men and women. She was recently featured in Rita Marie Robinson's book, Ordinary Women, Extraordinary Wisdom. I think in general, just my wish in life is that everybody wakes up and that everybody is able to live the truth of who they really are. And, and that really saddens me that so many people are not able to live that. Marlies, thanks for coming to One Taste tonight and being on the show. You're welcome. My pleasure. Can you tell me about your personal journey? How did you come to this path? Okay, well, I think we need the whole <laughs> evening for that. Um, I think, especially when, it, when it's connected to spirituality and sexuality, very early on, I was just on search, as long as I can remember as a little girl, that I just knew the way it was, that was not how it's supposed to be. So I was on a search very young for churches, and I didn't grow up in a family where we would go to church, and even though my uh, my father was Jewish. We would not go to the shore or do anything like that. Uh, but I was on a search for something, and I knew when I would find it, whatever it was, I would know it. And then that was one part, and the other part was um, I was very early on, I was raped a few times. So I think in that combination of bringing those two parts together in a way what I will be talking about tonight too, that's really what helped me waking up to myself and in that process healing the, the sexual part. But very early on I was really interested in relationship. I had boyfriends and just a lot of people I enjoyed being with. and. I remember when I was 15 years old, I read this book about Kathmandu, and I knew I was going to end up there one day, and that's what happened. And that's, I feel, you know, I feel the spiritual journey kind of happened, you know, the moment I came in here. But then when I was 25 and I was in India, then it felt like really, then from then on, it really took off. 
Well, it sounds like you've traveled extensively and you have like an amazingly diverse education, Mm -hmm. a master's in psychology, Mm -hmm. you've studied Buddhism and Tantra. So these things from different traditions Mm -hmm. and how have you integrated that? Integrated that. For me, also studying Advaita, um, the non-dual teachings, with Zen Zen Buddhism and Tantra, um, I feel I just wanted to be awake. I wouldn't call it then like that, I want to be awake, but I knew just how it is, is not how it's supposed to be. So So you could say the spiritual teachings really helped me to be truly who I am and um, and that's a tremendous gift and then bringing that just the naturalness into the lovemaking that's kind of how it came together so what I said before also in the in the sexual healing or in the sexual department because a lot of spiritual teachings don't talk about sexuality and I, I think I had the luck that the teachers I've been with included that and in most teachings it's excluded or it's not talked about as most in society or um, often in a very perverse way I think that's changing luckily we live in a really special time where this wakefulness and sexuality have a chance to really come to a sense of wholeness so I feel um, in spirituality really helped me to be awake kind of stepping out the dream and really knowing who I am and bringing that knowing into lovemaking and into all of life because then truly all of life is making love with everything and within that is making love, you know, physical love. Your talk tonight is entitled, How Does Stillness Make Love? Mm -hmm. Can you give us a preview of the answer? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can. I work a lot with uh, people around sexuality and the one thing, I mean many things I'm very struck by, but when I work with couples and I ask them, for instance, a question, how, um, you know, how's your sex life? And when they actually do make love, they say, well, we have orgasms. And I often find that intriguing, like when you have an orgasm, then it means you have a sex life. and. What I endeavor to show people, and it's all from my own experience, otherwise I think you cannot really teach something out of a book that doesn't really interest me, is like the lovemaking is the most beautiful when I'm really in contact with myself, with my true self, what is stillness or emptiness or God or the divine or goddess, whatever you want to call it. So here in this title I call it stillness. When you really are stillness, and bring that in the lovemaking, then a whole other kind of lovemaking starts unfolding that has, in my book, nothing to do really with sex and not much with a goal or anything. It's really resting. It's kind of, you could call it relaxation sex instead of friction sex. And just you step together in the unknown. And of course, life is the unknown anyways. But we all try to control it and we try to control our experience and change things. But this is a way of really stepping into yourself and from that place of emptiness or fullness really meeting the other who is emptiness and fullness and stillness also. And then just something starts happening that you don't know.
And that's where my passion is, really. To really dare to completely step in the unknown. You know, we hear it quite often, yeah, I step in the unknown. I don't know. I will see. But to truly sit there and in the lovemaking, laying there or sitting there, whatever position you're in, to really see any movement that's happening, does that come because I want to please my partner or something needs to happen or I'm afraid or to really be still and only move when something truly wants to happen. That's very, very different. It can be scary for a lot of people because you really will be out of control and it demands really to be trusting. It's a, it's a process of learning to trust. So I don't know if that gives yeah. enough of a taste. Because then you get the real one taste, mm -hmm. you know, what the name, the title of your organization is. That's the true one taste. Once you get there, how do you know you've gotten there? You know. <laughs> you know when, um, when you meet life. Um, there comes in your body, comes a sense of um, openness. It's a sense of being really naked and really receiving. And something starts, I call it vibrating in the body. It's not so much going after this big bliss thing that comes and goes. There's just, I kind of call it like an, 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 a steady beingness, isness, hearingness, sweetness that is here in the lovemaking and that you take with you wherever you go so when you go to the store and you see the cashier you kind of splash your beauty over him or her so it doesn't really stop or just start in the bedroom it just you take it everywhere in your life so it's a sense a quality of beingness and contentment and um, but most of all a sense of really deep relaxation that there's nothing that needs to be changed. And it's not that there's no space for change. There's always a space for change and betterment. And but there's a quality of, of immense goodness. You're listening to A Taste of Sex, guest speaker interviews. We're going to go to a short break, and we'll be right back with Marlies. Listen to A Taste of Sex, erotic poetry reading, a companion program to life in an orgasm-based community. It's open mic night at One Taste San Francisco, a weekly audio program on personallifemedia.com. Welcome back. You're listening to A Taste of Sex, guest speaker interviews. We're here with Marlise, a Hokomi practitioner, and she is talking about how stillness makes love. Marlise, can you tell me about Hokomi? What is that? Uh, Hokomi is a body-centered psychotherapy method, so it's just a method, and it's a wonderful method. And what's it's a method of self-discovery, and it includes the body. You know, a lot of therapies you can just talk forever and nothing changes, kind of moving furniture from left to right. With Hakomi, we endeavor 
by little doing little experiments in mindfulness having the the people that come really go inside in their own laboratory and help them in that process and so as a well, let me say um the word is originated by uh, Ron Kurtz, who is the founder of Hakomi. And the word Hakomi means, how do I stand to all these realms? Who am I? So it has already an, a Buddhist ground, Buddhist connection, and it kind of got, brings therapy, kind of Buddhism and therapy. It's a little tricky the way I say it, but it's ground in Buddhism. And by bringing you in mindfulness, you really go into your experience. And when you go into your experience, into what's really here, then you will find also what are the beliefs that are fueling your life, where you're living your life from. So a lot of us, you know, a lot of people live their life, for instance, of the belief, it's not safe here. So they start creating their life, so they don't have to do anything to really come free of that have a form of control so with Hakomi we help them to come aware of that core belief if that's a core belief for that person so that they can let it go and truly kind of sink more deeply into themselves and be themselves and feel safe no matter what it's kind of in a nutshell um, so it's not a talk therapy and it's really letting people go into themselves and, and be very curious and find out what truly wants to happen for them. It's not really good for everyone. You know, some people are not able to be present with themselves. For those people, it's not always good to do that. It's for people that are able to be present or I will learn or teach them or a Hakomi therapist will show them how to be mindful and come into yourself. So by doing little experiments, we help people to become more aware of themselves and become more aware of their core beliefs so they don't need to live their lives from that place. What would be an example of a little experiment? A little experiment? Well, for instance, if I talk with somebody and I have a sense that um, their core belief is around what I said before, in, they don't feel safe or it's not safe to come into your body. So the experiment would be, we call that a probe in Hakomi, I ask them just take a moment to go inside and let me know when you're ready. And then I say an, just a very short sentence as, you are safe now. And of course that evokes the places that don't feel safe. So I say, you're safe. No, I'm not safe. So then I work with that, you know. I say, so I say, well, how about I say those words. So I say again, you're safe. And no, I'm not safe. You're safe and I'm not safe. And then I kind of take over all the stuff that is in the way of them really experiencing the, their true self. So then we kind of go slowly inside. And with some people you can go inside just a little bit, and with other people you can just dive in all the way through. It really depends where they are. So that could be an experiment. Or say if somebody, we really look at habits. So, you know, for instance here, I, I put my hand a lot on my chin, so I could that could be a habit. So I get curious about what could that be. So I let the person go, or I would go in mindfulness 
and kind of let myself do that movement a few times and really feel into that like gee what is that perhaps there's some feelings or images of ideas that comes along with that and then you start imp uh, exploring that so in a way we look for indicators we call them and that basically are habits that you see happen or and it can be in a way somebody speaks the way somebody moves and uh, and that you can include this must have taught you to be very observant mm-hmm yeah to really pay attention and put attention on people absolutely yeah yeah you study dance as well is that right mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. Um, I never really studied dance to teach it, but more for myself. Um, I do a lot of African dance, and I just totally love that. And um, I think it's a wonderful combination, you know, doing sitting practice and then moving with the body. Um, yeah, and so... The dance I, I perform mostly, or do mostly, is the African dance, and it's just wonderful. There's In Santa Cruz, there's so many African dance teachers. They come from Africa, and they teach, and they're so down to earth. And it's really a spiritual teaching because they really show you just, just relax, you know, just relax and do the moves. And then another form of dance is from the Kashmiran tantric tradition that Danielle taught me, and it's called Tandava. And it's basically the dance with the cosmos. And in that tradition, it's really said it's like the original tantric tradition, very different than Western Tantra. Most Western Tantra is only about sex, what is also good because it gives a lot of education to people. But it misses out on, you know, what I'm actually also teaching about, the stillness. And in the Kashmir and Tantric tradition, they had like, how can we bring this wakefulness into movement, into life. And um, and they uh, developed this dance. And that's the ton lava. So I do that too, by myself. And sometimes, actually, I do teach that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Not in the moment. There's not a class happening in the moment. Yeah. What do you think of communal living environments like this one here at One Taste? Mm-hmm. It reminds me of my time when I was <laughs> living in the commune. I lived in uh, two different communes in Holland where I grew up, one in Amsterdam and one in somewhere else in Holland. Um, I think it's great because um, it's hard to hide, you know, and uh, it's good to have some good organization and some good structure. I think that's very helpful because then easily it can kind of get convoluted and messed up. Um, what I find important in uh, living the communal life that there is a sense of openness with each other and then uh, learning to be really tolerant to each other and also to be really tolerant to the outside world because very easily when you live in a commune you think we are the commune, we are the best and then you have an inside world and outside world and I think that's one thing to be really aware of mm-hmm and communal life, when there's really uh, rest and truth, I think it's a wonderful place to explore and play and find out and share. And um, I think it's great. <laughs> Part of the reason that I moved in was because I like to hide. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh-huh. I had to cure myself of that one. Yeah. yeah. I think in general, just 
my wish in life is that everybody wakes up and that everybody is able to live the truth of who they really are and um, and that really saddens me that so many people are not able to live that and uh, still how there are people starving to death what's not really necessary because there is enough for everyone so I think that starts in a community you know to really love everyone where they are honor everyone where they are and that everybody can be their unique unique self so that's really my wish for everyone everyone can be their unique selves and can bring that out in whatever way that wants to come out you know being in a commune working as a gardener being a teacher doesn't really matter but that um, that there's enough safety that that can happen for everyone so I guess that's yeah. beautiful thank you yeah, you're welcome You've been listening to A Taste of Sex, guest speaker interviews. Thank you for joining us, and thank you to Marlies. If you'd like to visit her website, it's marliescochere.com, M-A-R-L-I-E-S-C-O-C-H-E-R-E-T.com. If you'd like transcripts of this show, go to personallifemedia.com, where you'll also find our other podcasts. We do a reality audio show of One Taste members sharing their life experience, and you'll find live recordings from our hot erotic open mic nights. If you have comments or questions about the material in this show, please post to our online chat board at onetaste.us. We invite you to join the conversation. Thanks for listening. This is Harmony Niles. Find more great shows like this on personallifemedia.com.